what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service. This is our show here on TheMesh.TV, where we talk about the world of customer service, providing good service to clients, customers, coworkers, whatever it may be in a service industry or any other type of industry, where we have to look at the way we're providing service to those around us. My name is Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. With me, uh, my, my normal partner in crime here on the show, Mr. Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing okay. Good. Things have been busy, but it's been a, it's been a good, pretty good week so far. And uh, Ed, just before we jump into the conversation, just as a reminder to everybody about how they can find out more about you and me as well, uh, you're at Customer Service Solutions. The company's website there is cssamerica.com. Get that right? Yeah, that's correct. Thanks, Alan. Good. CSSamerica.com. I'm at thejacksongroup.com. That's where you can learn about the work we're doing with employee and customer satisfaction. While Ed's uh, knee-deep in the world of working with organizations to help assess their customer service culture, help them create a new customer service culture, and working on some training and reinforcement work beyond that point. Ed, I'm really curious about the conversation today because it's a little bit of a timely one. I mean, we're right smack in the middle of uh, really a, a great pro sports season time of the year. I mean, we've, we're really knee deep in NFL time right now. College basketball is getting ready to start up, which gets me really excited. I love going <laughs> to college basketball games. I mean, it's just a really good time for a sports fan. This is kind of the prime time of the year, which was kind of interesting when I came across an article. I think you may have even sent me the link to it where somebody wrote up a, a really long blog post that I think Sports Illustrated has even featured about why they gave up their season tickets to an NFL team. This is to the Washington Redskins. Somebody wrote up a really long post about the reasons why they gave up their season tickets. Now, you being an NFL fan, I mean, the idea of giving up season tickets for your favorite sports team, it's got to be a pretty extreme reason for somebody to want to do that, right? Yeah, you definitely think so. I mean, I I love the NFL. I love pro sports. Uh, I'm a Panther season ticket holder, love the Panthers. So, you know, when you talk about there's a certain team you have an affinity for, a certain sport you have an affinity for, and you have the opportunity to go to, to all those games to give it up, you know, there's got to be something bad going on, uh, you know, something that just kind of put it over the edge. So, uh, you know, I imagine that as a Tar Heel fan, you know, if you had season tickets or tickets to a certain number of the basketball games, uh, and it was your decision to give them up at some point. It would have to be something pretty major to, to lead you to that conclusion. So Yeah, it would be. And, you know, and I guess why, I, why we were thinking this would be a good topic for us to talk about is, I mean, as you're reading this guy's article, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into some of the reasons and things that are brought up on your own personal side as well. You know, it, it does seem a lot to do with customer service or experience, at least that's some of the notes I was getting from that. So I'm curious if that's something yeah. we can have a little dialogue about, about maybe what's uh, what could be driving away some of your most passionate fans. And in this situation, an NFL team could probably be the same kind of stuff that's driving away customers and fans of any other organization as well. Yeah, and that's a great point because in most organizations, when they are acquiring customers, just like an NFL team acquires a fan or a season ticket holder, you know, there's some hook, there's, there's something about that particular business or organization that really brings the customer in. And, and, you know, maybe it's the low price or the quality of the product. Maybe, you know, that there's something about how they've marketed or promoted the facility, the look, the feel, something brought them in. But, but oftentimes, you know, the opinion 
that the customer, the fan develops that drives them away is a little bit different. And, and when you're talking about this NFL story, uh, th- there's a lot of similarities to that. Uh, for example, this particular fan in that blog post that you and I were reading was from Cincinnati. He had moved to Washington, D.C. He had gone to a couple of Washington Redskins fans, uh, Redskins games, uh, had gotten on the waiting list to become a season ticket holder. Somehow, over a period of time, his name came up. They have a long waiting list, but his name came up, so he bought the season tickets. And, and initially, you know, there were some hassles involved with having the season tickets. Uh, for example, instead of a normal 30 minute drive from where he lived in Landover, Maryland, uh, to the actual game on game day, it was two or three hours to get to the parking spot. Um, even in the upper deck, it was $1,500 wow. uh, to buy those uh, tickets. Uh, but, you know, it was $1,500. And, and so you would think that the organization would work with them a little bit on payment plans but those payment plans only applied to their premium ticket holders. So that was a little bit of a drawback too, but you know, he loved the NFL and he grew up with it. He was just happy to be there. Um, But, but on top of these issues that the organization had overcome to keep them, uh, something serious started happening about week three of the 2008 season. Uh, He had gone to a Redskins game against the Arizona Cardinals. Mm -hmm. uh, And there was a group of Cardinal fans around him that uh, imbibed a little too much. I uh, got a little, <laughs> little too excited in the wrong way. Those Cardinal uh, yeah. fans, I'll tell you what, they are just the, oh, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy Cardinal fans. And uh, yeah, but actually they were apparently pretty obnoxious, pretty vulgar. And although he didn't have a child at that point, the season ticket holder didn't. He he was sitting near a gentleman who had an eight-year-old child and he could just see that man cringe, you know, having yeah. to listen to those uh, listen to those fans all game long. And, and uh, he said, you know, this started getting worse and worse and worse over, over a period of time. It's almost like there was a giant cake party taking place in, in the upper deck around where he was sitting. Mm. And then he, he brought uh, his child to a game. And then uh, he was at one game where a Cowboys fan tried to pick a fight with him. And the, and the fan was obviously uh, drunk and, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And all those problems that he had overcome previously, the long drive, the the lack of payment plans, it just kind of hit a breaking point. And he said, you know, I'm just not going to put up with this kind of a fan experience anymore on top of everything else. And I'm giving up my tickets. So so this decision didn't have anything to do with the win loss record of the Redskins at the point or, or his love for the game of football. This was truly about just being there in that environment and the things that were surrounding him while trying to watch the game. That's exactly right. I mean, he went and and bought the tickets because he was a fan and he was enjoying it as a fan. But when when he talked about those things that were just adding on to the issues, adding on to the obstacles of him uh, wanting to remain there, a lot of it was about the experience of being around those uh, the, the the fans and that were around him in a definitely non-family friendly atmosphere. So maybe his love for the NFL team brought him in, but the fan experience drove him away. Wow, wow, yeah. and that's you know. So of course, I know there's there's so many ways we can look at this as how this applies to any other business as well. You have the best product in the world. You have something that people really want, but yet. You know, that experience around it, you can't take that for granted because this is a perfect example. I don't know anything. There's very few things I can think of that people get more passionate about than pro sports or their their their, their favorite sports team. But yet the fan experience did drive this guy away from one of his passions. 
Yeah, and we're going to talk about something similar and bring it down to just the day-to-day, you and me in our personal lives as consumers. Four little vignettes here. I'll, I'll give you four little stories that, that are from my personal life, from my work life, and but they have some similarities because okay. what brought me in to, to patronize these businesses uh, was not what drove me away or was not what kept me. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little story, and, and I'm just going to ask you, Alan, to kind of put on your consulting hat. Okay. And after all these podcasts, make it your customer service consulting hat. Yes. And, uh, you know, kind, kind of uh, tell me a little bit about um, maybe how they could have headed off the, the loss of a customer, how they they could have learned a little bit more about me prior to my exit from the company. Uh, so you ready for the first one? Yeah, hold on a second, Ed. I'm just going to uh, start my uh, run timer because, you know, I, I bill by the hour for consulting work. So Excellent. I just want to make sure that I'm getting, you know, my full time included on this and uh, yes. round up every hour, of course. So uh, we'll go ahead and start. <laughs> well, well uh, let's see. I hope you didn't put it on West Coast time to start. <laughs> I've already then, got four hours. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> and then England time to end. That would not be good. So uh, I've never tried that approach, Ed, but you just gave me a really good idea now going forward. So. <laughs> I'm happy to be a good influence on you, yes, Alan. Thank you. So, thank you. Yes. So, of course, we're going to talk about uh, the first one being horrible customer service. We have to use a cable company oh, uh, right. as our yeah. first example. Sure. I mean, uh, it goes without saying. I mean, I think yeah. that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the reputation, unfortunately, for a lot of cable telephone uh, internet companies is, is well-deserved. And this is just one example. Uh, uh, many years ago, probably a good 10, 15 years ago, uh, my wife and I decided to go ahead and get cable. Um, the, re- the reception on our TV, the old rabbit ears, it just wasn't working. Just wasn't cutting it anymore, was it? So, no. Yeah. You know, we and this was prior to the digital antennas that they had, and, and uh, uh, we, we didn't want to necessarily have 300 channels. We just wanted basic cable just to get a good picture, and there was only one game in town. Uh, one company that we could buy from, you can probably guess who it is in this region, and we, we signed up for their basic, basic excuse me, cable television, um, but we left them. We left them about uh, a year ago, and we left them because it was horrible customer service. I mean, okay. from the start, installation was bad. They ran a cable cord that barely made it to the TV, so if we ever wanted to move the TV more than an inch or two, we'd have to <laughs> get them to come back out again, you know, waiting between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. for wow. them to appear. Hi, we'd um, like to move our TV three inches. Can you come out and handle that, please? <laughs> exactly. You know, they, they, they actually cut off our uh, service ones, but the way they did it was very creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, they were running a new line for our next-door neighbor, mm-hmm. and as they were running that line, they decided to dig into our yard and cut through our cable line. Oh, well, that yeah, that so, makes good sense. Right. Yes. Uh, and another issue, just to give you another example, um, I, I got – them on the phone one day, we were having issues with our TV reception, and it was taking 30, 45 minutes, uh, and nothing was happening. So I, I just sent out a quick tweet, and then all of a sudden, man, I got immediate response. Oh, but, yeah, they, they, they follow the Twitter. Somehow that that seems to stroke their uh, stroke their energy a little bit there. Yeah, so. apparently so. But we were just so fed up with it that the first time we got a new provider in the area – uh, who, who we actually knew had a good customer service reputation to start with. We signed up for them and booted this company. Okay, so, good for you. So here's here. Thank you. Here's my question for you, Alan. Mm-hmm. How could this first cable company have learned more information from me so that they could have kept me? You know, how could they have learned more before I gave them that call to say cancel? Hmm. 
you know, the thing is, is that these utility and service-based companies, I mean, they do have a lot of access to information about you or very easy ways they could get that information. I mean, you know, they're, they're seeing the kind of packages that you're, you're, you're signing up for. They can look back at your installation record and see how things went and what kind of time was involved. It would be so easy for somebody to just say, you know what, this, this has been a client of ours for maybe a year or so. Let's go through and kind of do a review process. Let's take a look. What has their experience been like this past year? Oh, wow. I see we've had to have four service calls out there in just the last six months. That's a problem. Let's try to figure out what's going on and dig in a little deeper on that. What kind of packages do they have? Have they scaled up or down their packages recently? And why is that? I mean, there's just so much information at their fingertips. You know all this stuff's getting recorded and logged somewhere. It just takes, I would think, it just takes somebody putting in a little extra time to go through and learn and research and then make that that initial effort to say, I'm going to go out and try to find out what I can do to make their experience better at that point. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a great example of how so many companies actually have information on their customers that they could use to retain them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's in their own internal databases without ever conducting a survey. If they just got in the habit of looking at it, analyzing it, identifying drivers of characteristics of those people in their internal databases that drive people away versus mm-hmm. keep them uh, if they had some intentional strategy to, to use their own data to mm-hmm. keep their own customers, uh, I'm sure a lot of companies would uh, be retaining more and more of their existing business. You know, Ed, on that same note, and I, I mean, I've, I've had the same kind of personal experience with a very similar provider of service. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the thing is, is that if I guarantee you, if they had looked at the call records and realized that I called in about every other day for like a two or three week period of time and only rarely ever got actually to speak to somebody as a human being. Most of the time it's the automated system. Surely that's got to throw up a red flag somewhere where somebody says, wait a minute, why is this guy calling us so much? And obviously we're not, we're not fixing what we need to fix and just, you know, make that personal phone call, call me, say, Hey, Mr. Jackson, I I see you called us a lot and uh, it looks like there are some issues. What, what, what's going on? What can we help do? And right away, me having somebody reach out to me, wanting to find out why I'm frustrated or what's going wrong instead of forcing me to make the phone call out to them and log every single instance of that. It just seems like the data is all there for people to use. You just got to have somebody willing to take an extra few minutes to go and actually use it for something constructive. Yeah. And you have to have an organization that has a culture of customer service, a culture uh, of being proactive. And this particular company, as you probably can surmise, is one of these companies that does a tremendous amount of marketing, you know, push, 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 push to existing customers or via TV. Um, so, so their focus is on, on uh, new acquisition. And part of the reason why they have to spend so much money on so many TV commercials is because they have so much revenue just leaking out of the bucket. Yeah. Uh, so they have to do all that marketing just to backfill the losses that they have. Well, and, they, and it's also knowing – much like an NFL team where you think you've got this product that is just people can't compete against. So you can maybe slack off on the user experience a little bit because the product's so valuable. But I mean, in particular with a a cable provider, I mean, I think cable companies are seeing the heat right now that there's a lot more options for getting entertainment these days. And I'm sure they kind of wish they could go back in time and really ramp up their customer service experience to keep more of these people around. Yeah. yeah. So this is example number one. And number one is they, they got me because they were the only game in town and I could get a good reception and they lost me because of horrible, horrible customer service. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, the second example is very different, uh, but but it's still a, a lost customer example. This is a fast food restaurant, a well-known national, international brand. Okay. Uh, and uh, they, they actually opened up a new restaurant about a mile and a half from my house. And I drive by it a couple times a week and, you know, nice, brand new, shiny fast food restaurant. And I decided to, to drive uh, in there. So they got me because it was new and it was convenient. Yep. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So. Very first time, go through the drive-through. It's one of those new double drive-throughs. You know? Oh, the double drive-throughs, which I'm just amazed at how they coordinate that whenever it does work right. I mean, yes. I mean it could be your problem is it didn't work right. I don't know, but we'll yeah, or, or it just plain didn't work. Okay, all right. Away, but, please go. Uh, please go on then. <laughs> exactly. So uh, you know, I get into the, with the line that I decided to get into was the uh, the inside lane, and uh, which was a mistake, but it didn't hurt me in the end. But I got into the inside lane. And I stopped and I waited and I waited and I looked at the cars around me. There was nobody behind me, but there were cars to my right and cars ahead of me, obviously. And I was about two cars behind the ordering station and I sat there and nobody moved hmm. for two minutes. Wow. Six minutes, eight minutes, eight minutes at a fast food drive. Ten window. minutes. I actually looked at my watch and said, wow. if this hits 10 minutes, I'm gone. Yeah. It, it hit 10 minutes. I backed up drove away okay i was gone so and i've never been back as you might imagine so so that experience just so i can put this in perspective for everybody this one experience at a drive-thru which was a ridiculous experience yes but that has enough of an impact on us as human beings where you're not going to go back to that place right i'll i'll never go back there and and, you know some of that is i'm a customer service person but some of it is you know i I go to fast food to get food fast i I don't go there because they're selling filet mignon (laughs) uh, you know that's not the reason why i'm going to this fast food restaurant although they do have good fries but that's another story Uh, but but, but 10 minutes is just you know uh, that's not even an expectation that that's anybody has i mean that that's that's unheard of. So, yeah. right. And, and for 10 minutes and not to move, it'd sure. be one thing if I actually was moving just slowly, but not to move. So, so how could have this fast food restaurant learned about the issue that literally drove me away? How, how could they have learned about this, Alan? Well, I mean, besides the obvious of just looking out the window and seeing cars not move, but I think beyond that, I mean, obviously I know how these systems work in these places, these fast food places. I mean, they're extremely computerized and everything's very automated and everything's logged and orders and all that. I mean, once you start to realize that things aren't being processed, I mean, I'm sure they're showing a backlog of things happening there. There's got to be an immediate reaction to say, all right, we're starting to have a problem. Maybe something's backed up in the kitchen. Maybe somebody fell over with a heart attack in the middle of the, one of our servers. Who knows? But it sounded like in this situation that nobody reacted to it. It's just right. they let the situation continue. And by letting it continue, it continued to build. So mm-hmm. nothing was being done to say, here are the warning signs that we're hitting a problem and we don't have a contingency plan on what to do once we hit those those trouble spots. Right. So if you build a business and you're building it on the fact that people want food fast and it's it's multiple transactions with maybe little margin per transaction, you're looking for volume, you have got to have real-time measures in place, number one, to see when you're, you're having issues with throughput. Um, secondly, you have to have some kind of a process in place when you're not getting the throughput you want. You have to have some kind of remedial action that can take place to, to fix the issue. So this was another situation. Something brought me in. It was new and convenient, and what drove me away was an incredibly slow 
process. You know what would have been really cool in that example, Ed, for them to do? There again, let's assume that they really did have a major problem in the kitchen that just completely grind things to a halt. But you know what they could have done in that situation, and I've seen some places do this, some fast food places do that, where they send out somebody out to the line of cars going up to the, each person's window, A, telling them what's going on, B, seeing if there's some way that they can go ahead and get the food out to the person, maybe even if there's one car holding them up up front, it still kind of help the ones that are backed up a little bit. You know, it doesn't have to be a matter where the car has to get right up to the actual one window that has to serve them. There's so many other creative ways to fix that problem. I guarantee you if after the three or four minute mark, somebody had come to your window and said, hey, we've got a bit of an issue inside, but let me verify your order and I'm going to go back inside and I'll bring it to you instead of you having to wait through the line. That would have probably, you would probably would have come out of that with a pretty positive opinion of things, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. And that, that's a great example of when I was talking about remediation or remedy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to have some kind of a plan B when plan A is not working. And that's a perfect example of how they, they could have gone to their plan B and our plan B is to go manual with the order taking or a plan B is to send somebody out there to talk to folks, to reduce the perception of the wait time or to ease the anger, to ease the concerns or, you know, maybe give them a, a coupon as a thank you for the delight. I mean, something, but to do nothing and drive customers away. And probably you don't know if any customers left, you don't quantify it. You you just did it. Uh, You lost the business and it was because you you did not address the issue as it was occurring. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's, um, I have been there. I have experienced that myself. Uh, I've only driven out of a drive-through window line once, but I have done it as well. And it was frustrating (laughs) and I can't say I've ever gone back to that place again. But, Ed, let me just ask you, in this particular example, and we're not naming company names or anything, but would your willingness to go back be driven by the fact that this particular restaurant maybe had this one special promotional sandwich that was kind of a rib-based sandwich just Mm -hmm. back for a limited time? I mean, that doesn't do anything to drive you back to this place at all? I mean, you know. I'm just trying to relate it to myself personally. It, I, I can hold a grudge on customer service, but yes. there are certain products that might just make me say, you know what, then maybe that was just one time. I still need to go back. <laughs> yeah, back to the whole McRib. <laughs> I yeah, have brought up the, I have brought up that sandwich before, haven't I? Yes, last month you did, but you did you didn't uh, uh, this was a, a theoretical Jackson Group employee. It wasn't necessarily oh, yeah. you, so I assume that's this true. as well is just a theoretical theoretical Jackson Group it, employee. Yeah, so yeah, yes, that's funny. Yes. Well, you know. Uh, but even then, I think I might give them two chances to ruin <laughs> the customer service experience before I don't go back. So, all yeah, right. Nice. Ed, I want to hear your next two uh, stories okay. so I can do some more consulting and rack up some more hours here on my billing. Uh, but before we do, let's take a quick little break. Um, okay. You were listening to Stepping Up Service here on the TV. Uh, Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. We'll be back with you in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. 
Welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. Alan Jackson and Ed Gagnon talking about the customer service world. Uh, we're right in the middle of a conversation where we're talking about the experience being what could drive somebody away from a great product. We started off talking about the whole uh, blog post somebody put up on uh, Sports Illustrated about why they gave up their NFL season tickets. Uh, and it had to do with the whole fan experience, the experience in the stadium, the experience with buying the tickets, nothing to do with the game, nothing to do with the win-loss ratio. So that's a little bit what we're trying to relate here, too. And Ed's going through some very similar examples of stories that we can relate to in a more business setting uh, for more businesses that we may be used to. Just as a reminder, before we jump back in, you are listening to the TV. This is our online network of programs and shows, ongoing shows that you can go and listen to at any time for free at themesh.tv. You can also find us on iTunes, the podcast store, and you can find us on Stitcher Radio. Uh, A lot of different ways to listen to us. On the website, you can find all of our back episodes, listen to any of those you like, or go find an episode of another show that we have on the network. We have some in the business community. We have some arts and entertainment ones. We've got a lot of sports ones actually kind of relating to our topic Mm -hmm. today. Uh, We've got a brand new one that's actually starting up right now called the uh, Hoops Hangout. And that is a college basketball, especially focused here in the ACC, college basketball talk show. And uh, that's done by some great sports writers here in the state. Uh, We just posted the first episode, I think, right before I came in for this recording. So uh, some good stuff on TheMesh.TV to listen to or on iTunes. And we're going to cap off the episode in a little bit with our personal customer service stories of the month. We always try to share. uh, The the, the question is always, is it going to be a positive or a negative one? Are we going to have a mix? Are we both going to be on the same page? We'll wait to see at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. But Ed, let's get back to our main topic, talking about based on the why I gave up my NFL season tickets article, talking about the experience and how that could be the key driver to push somebody away from your product or service. Mm-hmm. You uh, hit us with two stories a minute ago that I did some pro bono consulting on. Now we're going to go on to our next two stories. What, what's the next one you have for us? Well, the next one is uh, about an organization that's uh, a lawn service, and, and they don't necessarily cut our lawn, but uh, they, they put out the, the chemicals, the nutrients, all those sorts of things for our lawn. And we actually went to them several years ago. They come out six, eight times a year. Uh, and the reason why we went to them is because this is one of those organic uh, lawn fertilizing organizations. And, and normally I'm not the most organic type of guy, yeah. but we have animals and we were getting ready to get a dog. And and there was always some concern, you know, for animals out there. Oh, sure. We don't yeah. have the brightest animals in the world, I will have to say, <laughs> as loving as they are, um, that, uh, you know, they might be eating the fertilizer and things like that. So that's not good. Uh, yeah, true. Uh, good point. So uh, we, we decided to go organic for our lawn uh, maintenance. And, and over time, our lawn's been okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have been able to get the animals out on the lawn much sooner, not have to worry about them chomping on anything they shouldn't be jumping on in the yard. Sure. Uh, But the reason why we stuck with them is the lawn has been okay. It hasn't been wonderful. uh, But uh, they have, whenever we've made a request for information or advice or need some guidance on certain parts of the lawn, uh, or if we want them to, to change a schedule, or if we have certain questions about pricing or services or whatever, 
incredibly quick, incredibly responsive, incredibly informative, incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the situations where, yes, it's a lawn service and we went to them because we wanted to make sure we had the more organic type of matter being put on the lawn. A large part of the reason why they've kept us is the the personal relationship we've developed with them and then that that support and advice that they've offered on an ongoing basis. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And it just... I'd be curious, you you could almost do a quick poll of people that you know, how many people are either keeping a service or purchasing a product that maybe if they're looking to tighten their budget and they're looking to cut some expenses, that would be an obvious choice of something to cut. But you know, you say, you know what, even though the product, yeah, the product is good and it's fine. It's just because their service is so good, Mm -hmm. you almost just feel like, you know, you couldn't cut it out, even if it was something that fiscally speaking, maybe smarter thing for you to do. There's a little bit of a you just you build up that that allegiance to them in a way just because you admire the service they're providing so much, right? And that's interesting the way you worded that you're building up the allegiance to them. And what the company is actually doing is they're building up a barrier between themselves and competitors when they build up your uh, allegiance yeah. um, because it, it is very easy in most businesses to to leave one company and go to the other. But if you think about the relationship that you have, you think about how you can pick up a phone, call somebody, get an answer immediately. They're doing a little things above and beyond the core product, it's kind of hard to just give that up for maybe saving a nickel here, saving a dime there. So you've built up barriers uh, to your competitors that have built up your customer's allegiance. That's nice. That's that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, Ed, I've got two dogs and uh, one of them's not the brightest in the world. And uh, they they tend to just will chew on anything they find in the backyard. So I hear you on that. Uh, it's, a, yes. it's a definitely a good, safe thing to do. But again, anybody, it sounds like anybody could be providing that particular product. It's just the level of service you're getting uh, is what's going to keep them, keep them working out there. So Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and again, it goes with our theme. What brought them in is not necessarily what keeps them. Yeah, sure, so, exactly. Good deal. Yeah, the fourth example and the final example is actually a work example. Okay. Um, I had started working with a public relations firm uh, maybe about 10, 12 years ago, and mm-hmm. I joined because I had a personal relationship with the owner and I needed that kind of PR support, expanding the bandwidth for the company. Um, and uh, it was actually a really good relationship while she was there. Uh, but, but she actually retired after several years. And uh, the new owner came in, and although the new owner had worked in the company um, the new owner was not very organized. And I like people who are organized. They understand deadlines. They plan out. They meet deadlines. And he was missing deadlines, missing due dates. He was having to be reminded by me and affect the customer multiple times about different things that have been promised wow. and not delivered. And over a period of time, uh, I ended up leaving. I ended up sure. ending the relationship with that PR firm. So what brought me in was the relationship and the high quality work and responsiveness. Uh, What made me leave was disorganization, uh, missing due dates, uh, and and a lack of the kind of uh, customer service that that we espouse as a company. Well, Ed, you just hit on the nail nail on the head on the kind of things I know as a small business uh, person, it scare me to death to think about because we rely so much as businesses, as I know you do too, on our reputation, on the level of service we provide. So that's why it's so imperative to us during the hiring process of finding people who are going to be managing our clients to make sure that they're going to be able to keep up that same level of service. Because when you get to a certain size company, you can't be talking to every one of your clients and you can't right. be involved in every single conversation. You've got to trust that the people you bring on board are able to maintain that level. And it's 
with a service-based company like a PR firm or like a firms like ours, uh, that's a that's a tough tough thing, and it's it's it really just puts all that emphasis back on that hiring process and really being able to watch new hires and work with them and get them on board with your standards so that you can trust them to let them go and not not ruin that that client experience for you. Yeah, and that that's a, an excellent point. Uh, and most organizations, especially smaller businesses under fifty, under twenty five employees, I mean they're, they're real small businesses, even under five or ten. Uh, you know, so often they're started by entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs have that relationship. And they want to create and grow, but but they have to realize from an operational, from a management standpoint, at some point they they can't be the high touch person with every client. They need to let their staff do some of that. So you have to find staff that that have the attitude. It's a lot easier to hire uh, a good attitude and train for a skill than it is to hire for a skill and train him to have a good attitude. I completely um, agree. Completely. Yeah. yeah. So, so the stories that we're talking about today are really focused on the fact that, um, you know, whether it's your business or your, your product or your marketing or your sales pitch, or maybe your brand, if maybe that's what brought customers in, but we can't make the mistake that uh, we're assuming that that is also what keeps them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to keep your customers for the long term, you have to start getting to know them as soon as you got them, develop a relationship with them, learn their retention drivers, why they would stay, why they would go, uh, and help their experience uh, to change and improve uh, as their lives change. You know, Make yeah. sure that you're changing, growing with them. Oh, that's great, great advice. And I mean, I think sometimes we have to hear these examples of how these kind of stories affect real Mm -hmm. companies or real types of industries to just kind of connect the dots. I mean, I think sometimes we just take so many things for granted. I know there's a lot of companies that take for granted the products they offer. It's a great product. Everybody loves the product. So we don't have to worry too much about what happens around the product. We just got to get the product to people. You look at a company like Apple, which I think is a really interesting example. They've got the products people want. They don't really, they can pretty much release a new product and they've got a ready-made target market ready to buy that, sight unseen Mm -hmm. sometimes. It's an amazing product value and recognition and people want that product. So their challenge is always to strive to make sure the experience around it is as positive as possible. And I think they're doing it for the most part. You know, you still hear some people every once in a while having some customer service issues with Apple. But for the most part, Consumer Reports, everybody else says it is a great customer experience. I think that's a good reason of why they're one of the biggest and still growing companies in, in the world, because they mm-hmm. found that good balance of a great product added to a great service experience. So it's just, you know, there, yeah. there are companies out there that are doing it right on both fronts, both small and large. And you got you to gotta make sure both are being taken care of. Yeah, and when you're a company like Apple that kind of hangs their hat on innovation and, and uh, new products and the, the latest and the greatest and all these these positive changes happening, I mean, that, that's kind of tough to constantly have to beat your, your, your last iPhone, beat your last operating system, beat your last mini iPad product release. There's got to be something that's going to start developing relationships with those first-time purchasers so that even if – the, the next product is not a grand slam, you're still locked in uh, that particular client for the future. So the, there's a lot to be said, even for companies that are product innovation driven, 
for them to make sure that when they get those customers for the first time, they're trying to lock them in with relationships, good service, a lot of those things that surround the products. Absolutely. So, you know, you don't have to be an Apple size company out there to, to see the value in having the strong experience around a good product. I mean, of course, you got to have that good product and service. You can't sell something that's a deficient service, even if your experience around it tries to be as positive as possible. But you can certainly lose a client off of a good product if you don't have that experience around it to, to support right. it. Right. So don't, don't assume what brought somebody in is what keeps them. You got to make sure you identify what would keep them. And oftentimes it's about the relationship and the experience and the customer service. Uh, whereas what brought them in might have been the discount, the new product, the new facility, the new something uh, make sure that the experience is helping to keep that customer. All right. Ed, thanks so much for the conversation on sure. that topic. And I do encourage everybody to go to cssamerica.com. I know he's got a blog post on the site. You do add about, about this article and, of course, a link to the article so people can read the article, get a little bit of your thoughts on it from your blog post, and then hear us talk about it here in this podcast a little bit more in depth. It's definitely some good lessons to learn and take with us into any kind of customer service endeavor we're pursuing. Good, now, Ed, we, Ed, we always close out our show with our – we just trade stories about a real-life example of something that's happened to us recently. It can be a positive customer service experience. It can be a negative one. But this is our chance to either pass along an accolade to somebody or vent in a very public technology-driven <laughs> space about something we went through. So, Ed, how about uh, start us off while you're on a roll of telling us stories. What, uh, what something that's happened to you recently you want to share with us? Okay. Well, I, I, I've been running a string of positives, so I'm going to go with the more uh, rant-oriented. Oh, uh, uh, the, patented uh, Ed, the patented Ed Gagnon rant. I cannot wait. Ye- <laughs> yes, and this is technology-related in kind of an odd way, but, right. but here it goes. I had uh, a, a business partner, and it wasn't the Jackson Group. It was another organization. Oh, uh, X, okay. X, well, XYZ business partner gave me a uh, gift card as a thank you. Hmm. Wonderful. Okay. It was to, let's say, ABC Bread Company, hmm. uh, you know, one of those companies, national chain, makes sandwiches and soups and salads and all that kind of stuff. Very excited. Get to buy dinner for my family without having to spend a nickel. Very excited about that. So I did what I usually do when I go to this organization, go to this store, restaurant. I, I pick them up on the uh, – I call them up on the phone to start with. Uh, and try to place my order so I can just run in, pick it up, pay, and I'm gone. Mm-hmm. So I, I call the phone number I've always called, and uh, instead of it directing me to an employee that works there in the store, uh, they say that they are going to transfer me to the e-commerce call center. Mm, and I thought, no, I thought I'm, I'm not calling about a technology issue. So why are they sending me to the e-commerce call center? So a very friendly lady picked up the phone and she told me that this was one of the stores that was piloting a new online ordering system because they were not going to take orders over the phone in the store anymore. Hmm. So I said, okay. And she said, so could you go to the website? So I went to the website and I couldn't figure out where to order. And she said, oh, you're at the wrong website. So apparently they set up a brand new website to place these orders and Hadn't told the customers yet. So there was a brand new website. I went to the website. Uh, I, I made sure I knew how to get into the system and place the order, and we hung up. Uh, I tried to place orders. I'm only ordering three sandwich combos, and I couldn't find some of the basic sandwiches that you would order in the store 
So I picked up the phone. I called again. Somehow I got the exact same lady, which kind of freaked me out a little bit. I'm thinking maybe there's one person manning the e-commerce call center. Uh, so I asked well, her. It is, it is it just starting three. up, you know. So there's no telling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she told me there were three. Uh, so uh, I ended up uh, talking to her. She showed me where to find the items on the website. I found the items. Uh, I said, thank you. I'll complete it from here. I hung up. And then, of course, I go through, I navigate, I get ready to pay. And, of course, online, they do not take gift cards. Oh, so wow. Very, very frustrated at that point since that was the whole reason I was going to the store today was to use my gift card. But, hey, you know, I'm lucky. I have a credit card. I can still buy this special dinner, put in the credit card number, go to the store to pick up. And the lady said, we don't have your order ready yet. And I said, well, why is that? I put it in about 20 minutes ago. They said it'd be ready in 10 minutes. She said, well, we didn't have one of the soups that you ordered actually in stock. And I didn't have your phone number. But I put my phone number in the system. It just didn't print out on the sheet that they had printed off the system. So they had no way to call me before I got there. Oh so I pick gosh. up a phone. I call my daughter. I ask what else she wants based on what they did have available. Uh, my daughter tells me what she wants. I tell them, they go ahead and fill it, and I'm on my way. So I got the food, I left, and I'm never going to use that online system again. No, it of course not. It was just a little mini nightmare. But it's one of those things where they had a process in place. They tried to go high-tech with it. They were not ready to go high-tech with it. There's not only issues with the website, but there are issues, obviously, with when information is printing off in the store uh, about the, the, the customer order. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really soured me on the experience um, the, the very first time I used it. Oh, my gosh. You know, the funny thing is that I had almost the exact same experience trying to buy health care online, health care insurance. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I had to go for a topical joke there for a second, but uh, I mean, it's kind of scary when you think about it, how that experience you're just talking about does sound like what the uh, healthcare.gov website, same exact problem. Just it wasn't ready for prime time, right. but it was pushed out there. It's confusing for people. People aren't getting through. It's not working. You know, and it's the same idea is that you may try to be pushing a really great technology, but there's something to be said for quality checking the process, putting it through test periods that you don't inflict on real people, real customers. A lot of, a lot of interesting similarities there. So yeah, never thought I'd liken my three sandwich combos <laughs> to the affordable care act, but uh, that's nice. How you connected the dots well, there. That's great. See, here's the challenge though, with this being a time related podcast episode, Ed, is that somebody is going to download this episode like a year from now and healthcare.gov is going to be this magnificent fluid running site and they're going to be like what are they talking about I don't have any idea about that I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case but anyway it's just uh, if you're listening to this here in the fall of 2013 you understand what we're talking about it's it's very (laughs) timely at this point so all right. well my my story man I can't decide if it's a positive or negative maybe you can help me interpret this because I keep going back and forth on it Um, there's a few things in life I really despise doing Two of them here at the office, I hate having to deal with health insurance premiums and renewals. Just, I hate having to make those decisions. I don't like thinking about it. And I don't like copiers, like, you know, paper copiers. I just don't. I'm right there with you. It's just, oh. I, I just can't stand the leases, the options, all that stuff. Anyway, those two things I can't stand. Outside of the office, there's one thing in particular I do not enjoy doing, and that's car shopping. I do not like car shopping. I'm not a car guy. I don't have to have this certain type of car, and I don't you know, go by the car lots every afternoon and just drive through and look at them. I just... I'm very happy with whatever you put me in the, the behind the wheel of. 
as long as it drives and it's got a nice sound system, I'm pretty happy. Well, so my car I've been driving, the transmission decided it didn't want to work anymore. Just Ugh. decided, you know what? I'm done. And uh, it stopped. This is one year out of warranty, so it's going to cost a really nice pretty penny to get it fixed. I was never a big fan of the car to begin with, so I'm more than happy to say, you know what? If I can find a dealer who will buy it from me for a good price, I will buy a new car from them on the spot. You know, just I'm ready to go. And uh, overall, I'd say the, the the experience of buying the car was pretty good. It was what he expected from a car shop. You go to the or car dealer, you go, you talk with your salesperson. They have to go back to their little finance room, which is like this little math hidden room, and they probably just sit back there and gab for a few minutes and then come back with a price. And I hate that whole process. I really think people need to get rid of that whole that whole facade. We know what's going on. You know, they're yeah. not they're not really trying to have to keep going back round after round there. You could do that a lot easier, but all right. So I'm fine. I kind of knew that was going to be the game going in. So I was prepared for a good long day of dealing with that. At the end of the day, they found me the car I wanted. It's ready. They can get it to me by Monday. I'm like, you know what? That's fine. It's Saturday. I didn't really have to have a car today. My wife's picking me up. You know, I'm okay. I'll come by Monday afternoon and pick it up. So I get a phone call Monday morning from the dealership and they say, okay, it's not here yet. I'm like, that's fine. I appreciate you letting me know. They said, you know, we had to bring it in from another dealership and it just wasn't ready. So it's supposed to be tomorrow. Fine. That's fine. I appreciate you calling me. I wasn't under this huge timeline where I had to have the car on Monday. You know, my wife and I both work at the same office. So I got an easy carpool route. You know, everything's fine. So Tuesday comes and I call them midday to say, all right, guys, I'm ready to come pick up my car. They say, oh, okay, well, we got another little problem. The finance guy who wants to finish the paperwork is not here today. He's asking if it can be tomorrow. And again, I think I'm being very gracious at this point. I say again, all right, fine. You know, I can come by and do the paperwork on Wednesday. That's fine. Whatever. And they have not offered you a loaner or anything like that? No, no, they have not. Wednesday. Wednesday. This is the the fun one. So Wednesday comes and I get a call from the dealership and they say we got a problem. Uh Uh-oh. They said uh, they brought in the wrong car. I'm like, okay. So it's not the car I wanted. It's very similar, but not, not the car I wanted. And they said, and to boot, the paperwork you signed on Saturday was all for the VIN number of that other car, not for the one you're actually buying. So we got to have you redo oh. the paperwork too. Oh, at this point, wow. I'm not, at this point, I'm not happy. So they told me it would be Thursday. You know, actually Thursday came. Actually, I didn't even get it on Thursday either. It was Friday night before I could come by and pick it up. So basically five or six days later than when I ordered the car and got it, and I was told it would be 48 hours, it's now seven days basically. I will say, the reason I say I can't decide if it's positive or negative because they did a really good job of keeping me up to date every day. Most of the time they called me without me having to call them. They were very apologetic. They were very under, you know, sympathetic to me and just tried to do everything they could. But obviously the process broke down the communication between these different stores broke down and yeah, come to think of it, they didn't offer me a loaner car or anything like that. So that's, yeah, I guess, I guess overall I'm coming out negative on this one. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to come out negative on it. So I don't like buying cars. This experience did not really help that, that emotion at all. So yeah, well I'm right there with you. I can't stand buying cars, Mm -hmm. but uh, you know, that that's an experience that is for what is probably the second biggest investment, if not the first that most people make, uh, for them to get the vehicle ID wrong, apparently, to, to bring in a car that was not the one you ordered, to to at least they followed up, but they didn't do anything from a compensation standpoint or offer you a loan or anything like that to try to help from a convenience standpoint. Um, I mean, I, I was almost wondering if you were going to say, 
can we go ahead and cancel the sale? I came um, close to it on Thursday. That was about yeah. the day where, you know, between you and me, Ed, I mean, the car I got, I really, really liked it. And I really didn't <laughs> want to have to go through and try to find another one like it. Yeah. But, um, but it was one of those things. It was really, it was tough for me. The product just barely outweighed the experience on this one. But if the experience had dragged on any longer or gotten any worse, yeah, I would have walked away from it. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, and just between you and me, since there aren't, you know, yeah. thousands of people listening. No, uh, no. I, <laughs> I think we have like two listeners. So just so yeah. two listeners, we'll just keep it between us. Well, well, well my, my statistics that I read every month that are lying because I know we're doing much better than that. <laughs> yeah, so we're, doing a little, we're doing a little better than two listeners. Yeah. So I joke. But just, just the idea that, especially with a car company, mm-hmm. that you could buy that car in theory at multiple dealerships because they didn't have it on the lot. That's right. And it's one of those things where they have to realize to some extent they're competing with their fellow brother, brother, brethren who have the same kind of car that they're selling on a lot, maybe five miles away, maybe maybe fifty miles away, sure. and that could have been a situation where not that I'm suggesting you, you should have done this, but if you did decide, hey, you know, I'm not going to buy it here, you could probably called another dealership, gone through the process, explained the issue, and and still ended up getting, uh, you know, the same car. So you can actually lose business to in the car dealership world to uh, a, a, a brethren a car dealer selling the same yeah. kind of cars that's and it's point. because of bad customer service. Well, I think a lot of these dealerships, and I hate to brand all these dealerships the same way, but I think many of these dealerships have been around for many, many years and they're kind of a used to a, the mentality of we are the local XYZ car brand dealer in this area. So if anybody mm-hmm. wants one of those XYZ cars, you got to come to us. And I think a lot of them still have that mentality, even though they got to realize that those days are over. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind driving 30 minutes away and going to a different dealership if they can get me a better car with better service. So it's just it's a mentality shift. I think a lot of these more tried and true traditional types of businesses have to remember and not to lump all car dealerships the same way. There's a lot of ones out there I think are getting more progressive and better with service. But you get some of those that are still just very rooted in that idea of we are the local source. There's nowhere else to go when that's not the case anymore. So Yeah, I think the Amazons of the world in general have kind of taken that uh, past assumption a lot of businesses have and pushed it to the side. When Amazon can ship something to you same day or next day, even the local mom and pops are actually competing with Amazon, which could be hundreds, if not thousands of miles away. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a different game nowadays. Absolutely. The service, yeah. the experience, the 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 relationship you build is really what sets it all apart. I guess that's what we're saying yeah. here for the last 45, 50 minutes has been that. So now. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here, Ed. Uh, thanks so much for all your feedback and input on this. Some great information there. I do encourage everybody to visit his website at cssamerica.com. That's for customer service solutions. You can go read blog posts, sign up for newsletters, learn a little bit more about what Ed's company does with regards to helping businesses with their customer service culture and practice. And uh, just a lot of good information there to check out. And then uh, learn a little bit more about what we do at the Jackson Group at thejacksongroup.com as well. And, of course, you're listening to The Mesh at themesh.tv, finding us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or just going to our website and listen to any episode you want to. It's all free. You can subscribe. You can download the shows. All different ways to listen and enjoy uh, these discussions that we have throughout the network. Uh, We love putting these things together, and we appreciate you guys listening like you are. Ed, I hope you have a good weekend. Thanks. You too, everyone. All right. uh, Definitely look forward to this next month, too. Sounds good. We'll see you then. Everybody take care. Thanks a lot for listening.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.